Howdy, everybody, and welcome to the BP Movie Journal, the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these. Uh, I'm David. I'm Tyler. And um, I like that we... If we, we we have a rule, which is that we do this every week, except we don't always, right? right? Yeah. It's basically, I don't want to let too much behind the curtain, but it's like, if we record the main show mm-hmm. on a certain, at a certain time and date, yeah. then we have time to also cram in one. And anytime we have to move around the main show for some other reason, yeah, movie, we'll like... Movie journal's out. We'll just get the movie journal. So what that means sometimes is that uh, you might have a really slow week, mm-hmm. um, and we're still going to do a movie journal because who knows when we're going to take another week off and you don't want right. to have, have them, uh, uh, backed up. Right. So I only have two movies to talk about. I've watched two movies. I'm supposed to be like a film you. guy, you know? Yeah. But I basically I've been like, uh, well, <laughs> I say I watched two movies, but I watched six movies because I watched four space invader movies. Right. Yeah. Uh, I spent all day Saturday watching movies, uh, here, um, at, at, uh, Casa de Smith, I guess. Sure. Um, for our space invaders commentary, which is available now on the website for, it is not available now. Oh, sorry. It will be available Saturday. Yes. Uh, right. No, now. no fooling. Yeah. It'll, right. Right. It'll oh, be available Saturday. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, right now what is available for a limited time, a very limited time at this point, uh, is our 10 year anniversary sale. Yeah. You can get, here's what it is. You can get our Lord of the Rings commentary, our Aliens commentary. Now, when we say Lord of the Rings, I mean, obviously, all three films. When I say Aliens commentary, I mean Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, and Alien Resurrection, okay? When I, and then you can get the Batman, so that's Tim Burton, Angel Schumacher, all four Batman movies. You can get our slasher commentaries, which includes, uh, let's see, Psycho, The Texas Chain Saw Massacre, uh, Halloween, child's play and scream you can also get our uh, zombie commentary which includes night of the living dead dawn of the dead day of the dead and then the dawn of the dead remake that's a bunch of that's hours and hours of content but yeah. wait there's more there's more you can get our first 40 episodes that is about 40 hours of content back yeah. before we it's were actually we call it the first 40 but it's we're rounding up a little bit <laughs> right, it's actually right. fewer than 40 episodes yeah. but uh yeah it's the stuff that we took off of the feed because we are embarrassed yeah. by it, but you can have it if you pay us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're not giving that shit out for free. Um, and then on top, but we're not even done yet. David, David, oh my God, oh my I can God. see you. I was trying to pipe up. I, I yeah, I shut your mouth. Walk away. Sorry. All right. I'm doing something. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's a weird character. Um, we are also, uh, selling our first, uh, premium episode starring starring yeah I'll say starring, starring. Uh, Bill Dwyer uh, show favorite uh, and then also our second premium episode in which uh, David myself Jason Eakin and Scott Nye all talk about the movie year 2007 so I added it up it's in the area of 80 to 85 hours worth of content wow. and we are selling it to you for $25 here's the thing it goes uh to midnight on March 31st. After that, this sale ends. Yeah. So at this point, you've got at the point that we're recording this, you've got yeah. just over 24 hours. By the time you're hearing this, if you're the, among the first people to hear it, you have less than 24 hours. Indeed. So get on it. Now, I'll say this. If if a couple people slip over and, you know, do 1205 on uh, April 1st, I might do it. Okay. I might send it, but, but we're you know sticking what? with Pacific time, Pacific time. Midnight. The only time that matters. 
<laughs> so yeah, uh, don't don't push your luck. Indeed, we're not guaranteeing that Tyler will let you. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll be a WonderCon. I might be like, I don't have the energy for this. Yeah, that's so, a good excuse. And actually, speaking of WonderCon, I haven't said this at all on either of my podcasts. I'm very bad at this. I'm sorry. Uh, I actually am going to be on a panel at WonderCon. Oh, tomorrow. Oh, geez. Yeah, less than 12 hours after you were possibly hearing this. (laughs) Yes. So if you're going to be a WonderCon, uh, at 12 p.m., check out the Spiritual Themes and Comics panel. Uh, I will be on it. I'm not moderating, but I will be one of the guests. Uh, We don't only talk about comics. It tends to be about just all things art. Uh, And so... I'm very excited to be a part of it. I've gone to it uh, every year, both at uh, Comic-Con and WonderCon. It's always a really fun conversation, and I'm, I'm very honored that they asked me to be a part of it. So you can check that out at noon at WonderCon. I don't remember the name. Uh, I don't remember what room it's in, but you can look that up. All right. Okay. That's it. Oh, I was going to tell you what room it was in. Oh, okay. Um, but I don't have it quite at the ready because I have my movie journal list sure. up as opposed to my WonderCon list. Um, it is in room 211. At noon. 2 11 at noon. Uh, all right. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, the movie journal. <laughs> I feel like there was something else I was going to say before we, oh, sorry. before we got into it, uh, properly. Um, but, uh, yeah, what was I going to say? Oh, that I only watched, uh, I've only watched two movies other than those four. Yeah. But basically I was, uh, dealing with a sick dog and then yeah. I was in wine country all day. And then I've been trying to read more comic books, hmm. um, you know, uh, read, read more trades to try and catch up, uh, to the new stuff. I've read, I've read this, uh, uh, all four trades that are available so far of this, uh, image book called shutter. That is so cool. Image is still around. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Huh. Image is big now. Interesting. Yeah, I remember well, when the Walking they fr- Dead saved Image and oh. made it. Uh, now Image is a huge thing. I did not realize Walking Dead was was on Image. Okay, I remember when Image first like launched. I was in I think fifth or sixth grade, mm-hmm. and there's no question that most of their superheroes were obvious ripoffs of uh, <laughs> of uh, Marvel characters. And uh, there is there's one there's like a team called like Blood Strike or some generic bullshit like that and the head of the team could not he's basically cable with a ponytail uh and then there was a very obvious wolverine clone i mean it was crazy uh, what it used to be what image is now is awesome because it's a every uh it's all the creators get to own their own content and, mm-hmm. and dictate um the release schedule and, and basically to do whatever they want but it's like uh what john Langraf has done with the fx network on tv which is basically right. like we're not necessarily gonna have a brand we're just gonna look for talented people who want to tell good stories and let them do pretty much whatever they want yeah uh, and then so it, like image doesn't have like a uh, you know, there's not one sort of thing that's like, oh, that's an image book. Um, Interesting. Okay. It, uh, anyway, um, Shutter is super cool, but it, it would take me our, the entire hour. But we're going to sit here to explain the story of Shutter. How's anyway. Dark Horse coming? Is they, are they still in business? They're do still, they still around. Do stuff? Okay. I don't think I read anything. Okay. Um, anyway. But you've seen a little more than I have, so uh, you're gonna you're gonna go first. My dog's right. better now, by the way. I should say. Okay, good. Yes, yeah, I said a sick. I said sick dog, and I know dog owners at home were like, "Is this dog okay?" Yeah, uh, yeah, he's doing better. Okay. So uh, the first film uh, here is Alice Lowe's Prevenge or Prevenge. I'm not sure exactly how I'm supposed to say it. They yeah. don't say it in the movie, obviously. Uh, and it is about a uh, a pregnant uh, woman whose uh, I believe boyfriend uh, has died. And 
the little girl in her belly is uh, telling her what to do. And what she's telling her to do is to murder a bunch of people. And it is, it is effective in some ways and not in others. And the ways that it is not are a problem. Okay. It's a horror movie that is not scary or suspenseful. It is at times wry and clever and funny, but well, yeah, Alice it's not Lowe, a, the writer director star is known as a comedic performer yes. in, in, in the UK. Yes. Okay. And, and so on that level, it tends to do pretty well. Um, and I like how committed she is to, cause she, yeah, she wrote directed start. Um, I, I like how committed she is to the, the dark humor aspect of the film, but then there's also like a dramatic element to it. You know, that like this woman is dealing with loss and then she's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, trying to figure out what motherhood is going to look like. Okay. That's fine. Except that that's some pretty heavy stuff and it tends to be treated pretty heavily and it really does not gel with the dark comedy. Um, you know, when you think about it, it's not, that's not unlike the Babadook as far as, except the kid has already been born, but you know, right. someone trying to figure it out on her own. Like, and that is not a, that is a, is my favorite movie of 2014, but it's a fairly humorless film. There's a couple moments of humor, but, but it, it really just dwells in the, the loss that she's experiencing. Whereas, uh, whereas Prevenge really seems to, I don't know. I, I feel like it's, I wouldn't say it's a mess tonally, but it definitely need is, is unsure of itself and it's in it, in the tone it's trying to strike. And so as a result, it winds up, winds up being not very satisfying. Uh, there are individual scenes and sequences that are great, but as a whole, it really doesn't add up to much. And I really wanted it to. Um, and again, it is humorous, but, and if it were committed to that a hundred percent, I think it'd be a great movie. But because it's trying to bring this other stuff in, I don't know. I just it doesn't all balance out. So, um, I'm glad that you didn't. Even though I'm about to do this, uh, bring up the story of the making of Prevenge because that's what every bit about it, every, everything that is written about it is about uh, the making of it. Because Alice Lowe was actually eight months pregnant <laughs> when right, they yes. shot the movie. Yes. They shot it in like eleven. The whole movie like eleven days yeah. uh, while she was eight months pregnant. Um, uh, and she plays a woman who's eight, eight months months pregnant. And, yeah. I, and I, I knew she was actually pregnant, but at the same time, uh, I don't uh, care. <laughs> Seems as, difficult. As, no, uh, no, no. It's there's a. But that's what I'm saying. There's is, an achievement to it. Yes. Yeah, and it's it's like when people talk when people talk about like, do you know Leo, Leo DiCaprio ate an, ate an actual bison heart yeah. when he was making the Revenant? It's like I don't care. <laughs> like I just care about yeah. the movie. If anything, it's like oh, yeah. that definitely explains why it looked like he was eating a bison heart. <laughs> Uh, How's yeah. the rest of the movie? Yeah, exactly. So, um, on the one hand, it seems pretty uh, difficult and impressive that Alice Lowe made this movie at sure. the time that she did. But that I'm more impressed make by the, the eleven days. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure how long they took to edit it, but the principal photographer right. was uh, eleven days. Not to uh, look. I don't mean to disparage like pregnant women. Obviously, that's remarkably difficult to do, and it's the hardest and, job in the world, Tyler, and the most important. What about like rodeo clown? What about rodeo clown? Cause those bulls can get pretty mean, <laughs> pretty ornery. I think is the word you're looking for. <laughs> that is, you know what? That is the word I was looking for and could not find. Um, right. so yes, I, 
don't get me wrong. There's an achievement element to it and good for her for making a movie like this. Um, I just think that it's, uh, it's not, Oh, here's a pun. I don't think it's perfectly conceived. <laughs> okay. You're welcome. Um, now, Wish I had thought of that for my review. Oh, well <laughs> now Tyler, like Jerry blank. I've got something to say. Indeed. Um, you stole a TV. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, that's a good show. Uh, anyway. Um, okay. Do you remember? I'm yes. sorry. Oh, go ahead. I would love to talk about Strangers of the Candy. Yeah. So I think it's the movie where <laughs> everyone's sitting around the I've house. I've actually never seen the movie. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And it, it might be the show. It might be, I don't know. Uh, I'm not actually as familiar with the show as I am with the movie. Uh, everyone's sitting around the living room and the doorbell rings and someone's like, are you expecting somebody? No. Well, I'm not expecting somebody. All right. Well, who could it be? There's someone at the door. <laughs> I don't know who it is. And just everyone is getting like, like there's a weird as tends to happen with that show. Yeah. Just this weird tension where it's just like in the, everybody else in the world is just like, you answer the door just because you're not <laughs> expecting someone doesn't mean you don't have legitimate cause to yeah. open the door, but everyone's just standing around getting angrier at each other and suspicious. And, Oh, it's delightful. Um, the, the one thing that my wife, Natalie and I often quote to one another from the show is there's an episode where all the girls in school are getting these like expensive, uh, new sneakers. So it's like mm-hmm. the new thing is these, these new shoes. Uh, and they're at a store at the mall where Jerry can't afford to shop. Mm-hmm. And the popular girl says, well, where do you buy your shoes, Jerry? And she says the comfort zone. <laughs> <laughs> you should watch uh, the movie. It has among others, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and, uh, Alice and Janney. It's and standard cast of characters. I remember liking it quite a bit. Uh, I should check it out. Um, all right. What okay. Sorry. Okay. I've got something to say. Oh yeah. Right. Right. Um, uh, so I, and I've talked about this on the podcast from time to time and on the website, um, going way back. I wrote a thing about it, which I wouldn't read because it was in like 2008 before I was writing regularly. It really mm-hmm. sucks. Um, but I have rules about how I make my top 10 list that I think tend to rub a lot of people the wrong way, but I feel, I feel strongly about them. Sure. Which is that, when I'm making my list of the best movies of say 2016, I'm only including movies that were released in 2016 initially. Do you know what I mean? Like the copyright date at the end of the credits has to be 2016, which means a lot of times there are movies that get disqualified because they played at Cannes or Toronto the year before, you know, and didn't get released here. But I feel like the philosophy here is, are you talking, are you trying to do a snapshot for the moment or, uh, or, or snapshot isn't the right word. Um, but is it, is this just ephemeral, not even a snapshot? Sure. It's just something you're saying, this is how I feel right now. Okay. Or, and this is more how I've always thought of it. Are you creating a time capsule for yourself? Do you know what I mean? And saying, this is what the movies of this year meant to me. And, you know, politically and socially and economically, I would rather get a wide worldwide picture of, uh, of how things were at a given time, which means just because we do our episode before the, before the Oscars of the top 10, right. I'm not done updating my top 10 of 2016. List. Sure. I will update it throughout my life potentially as I see more movies from 2016. Um, 
Now, the downside of that is that sometimes there are great movies that I don't get a chance to talk at length about or evangelize for. Right. And that's what's happened here is that from the moment, now from the moment I saw La La Land up until we did our top 10, La La Land was my favorite movie of 2016. All right. I, I now have a new favorite movie of 2016, but it didn't come out here until just a couple weeks ago. Okay. I hope this doesn't disappoint me. I am talking about, I don't think you've seen it. Okay. I am talking about Olivier Essayas's personal shopper. Oh, okay. It's, it might be one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Because it feels like, and this is something you and I have talked about. Um, there are certain movies that it feels like we don't necessarily know what the movie is about or what it's getting at. And we also get the impression maybe the filmmaker doesn't know, but it seems like something that had to get out of them. Yes. And that's how I feel about personal shopper is that this is a movie like, like there will be blood or vertigo that I could return to every three to five years for the rest of my life and learn more and see it in a different way and, and understand it, uh, differently. It's, it's such an unbelievably effective, um, it's, it's like, it's, it's also like, um, the way I felt after this sort of like, uh, puzzled elation was very much like how I felt when I first saw Mulholland drive. Okay. Um, and they are similar in that both like, personal shopper is a puzzle that probably doesn't have a logical answer, mm-hmm. but it might have an illogical answer. Sure. And that's sort of what Mulholland drive is like. You could you could go crazy trying to figure out Mulholland drive, yeah. but you can feel it and you can never actually feel like you know it. Do you know what I mean? That you know it for sure. And that, that's, that's how I felt about personal shopper. Hmm. Um, the, the story, if you, if you um, don't know Tyler, or if the I do not know. know uh, Kristen Stewart plays a young woman who lives in Paris and works as a personal shopper for a very famous it's, I don't even know if the movie's exactly clear on whether she's a model or an actress or whatever, but she's a famous woman and she's, she's barely in the movie, uh, and barely a part of Kristen Stewart's life. Most of her life is just driving around, picking out clothes that are in her size that she thinks her boss will like hmm. and dropping them off at her apartment and leaving notes like, you know, this can be taken in, you know, by this many inches or you wear this, you know, here are some options for this. That's like her, her life. But she is also, um, a self-described medium. Okay. As was her twin brother who died three months before the movie starts. Okay. And she's in Paris. She wants to leave Paris and go get a new job and move on. But she and her brother who both had the same congenital heart defect, Mm Mm-hmm. And so she still has it made a deal that whoever died first would come back and contact the other one right. because they were both mediums. Although he was by, uh, by her admission more talented and also probably more of a believer. She's more of a skeptic about her own powers or whatever. So basically it's a movie about her doing her job, like driving around, picking up clothes on her moped and also occasionally, talking to or searching for spirits that may or may not be her brother. And then she starts getting text messages from an unknown number that we don't know who it is. Do Um, you, do you see the spirits or do you just see her seeing them? Um, I don't want to give too much away, but the spirits show up in different ways that are different levels of visible and invisible. Okay. Um, there is some very light CGI in the movie. Um, uh, and, uh, 
uh, I'll say this. I wasn't expecting, I mean, I love Olivier Assayas' movies. He tends to be, have this sort of like, um, like aesthetically cold, but then also very organic and virile type of oh, way yeah. of making movies. Um, you still never saw clean. Did you? Uh, I never did see clean. I no. did. I really um, love that movie. No, the movie, I think, uh, it was, um, late August, early September was the first movie I saw of his went back and saw Irma Vep, which is great. Uh, demon lover is the shit. I love demon lover. Uh, Carlos, his, um, right. Multi-part, uh, Carlos, a jackal. Anyway. Um, uh, and, and but what I like about some of his movies, Demon Lover is one of them is that they're, you know, fully like art house type movies, Yeah. but he's also not afraid to make genre movies. Carlos is some of the, some of the, uh, uh has some of these same traits I and mean, he's like, I'm going to make a movie that's in this genre. And so there are very effective, powerfully effective stretches of time when personal shopper works as just a horror movie. Hmm. Um, which if you know, I mean, that's, I, I've always said that horror is the most inherently cinematic of genres. Sure. Um, and so, you know, that's catnip for me. Uh, it, it's, I, I, I've talked about my feelings, but I haven't talked about what I feel like the movie is, is about. Um, and that's because like I said, I, I don't know. It seems to be about, whether it have sort of a, uh, if I'm remembering my, uh, freshman year philosophy class, um, a sort of, um, Cartesian idea of believing what's in front of you, you know, mm-hmm. like she's searching her, she's stated states that she's searching for signs. She keeps getting signs, right. but she keeps doubting that they are what she's looking for. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And like, even as, um, even as it seems like at certain points it will seem like, yes, this is what you wanted. And she's still questioning, like literally out loud questioning. Are you my brother? Um, and sometimes you get frustrated with like, why can't she just accept that it is? But then Olivia says, will come in and suggest, Oh, maybe she's right to doubt. Maybe yeah. that, maybe that spirit isn't her brother. Uh, and, and there are, yeah, it's, it's the kind of thing where I talked about, you know, I saw it with my wife and talked about it. Uh, and there are whole other mysteries going on that I hadn't even, it hadn't even occurred to me where she pointed to one character and she was like, so that character in the movie, did he really exist? Yeah. <laughs> like, and that was something I hadn't even thought about when she said it. I was like, oh yeah, because that character never talks to anyone but Kristen Stewart. Maybe mm. he didn't exist. <laughs> or maybe he did exist as a, as a spirit or ghost. Um, it's a beautiful movie and it's my Sounds... favorite movie of 2016 and I can't wait to watch it again and again. Wow. How exciting. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's it's weird. I don't know if that has happened for me uh, oh, since we you. since we've been doing these these uh, top ten. I can tell you the other time it happened, which was uh, uh, twenty eleven. I can't remember what I, I think. Take Shelter was my favorite movie yes. in twenty eleven, but then I eventually saw uh, Once Upon a Time in Anatolia, right? Which ended yes. up being my favorite. Now, often one of the movies from my top ten will come in like. I was a big fan of The Messenger. That was my favorite movie of 2009. But just in retrospect, like that has faded. Whereas, like both Inglorious Bastards and The White Ribbon have have kind of gotten oh, bigger right. in my mind. But it's pretty rare for me to um, see something later and like, oh, you know what? I think it's probably that. Um, but it also might be a thing that I won't let happen because no, I've said my top ten and <laughs> right. this is how it is. Um, my so top ten. My my top. My lists are living documents. Um, speaking oh, of nice. the messenger, um, before personal shopper, I saw the trailer for the dinner or Mooverman's new film. Looks weird. 
Yeah, uh, uh, probably. Uh, my uh, Natalie and I have, I always say my wife, Nat- Natalie and I have a thing, and I'm sure a lot of couples or just friends do this. Uh, after every trailer, um, we will give each, like, uh, give our opinion via thumbs up, thumbs down. And I think yeah, not with, verbally. No, not verbally. Yeah, that's it's what a, we It's do. a thumbs up, thumbs down, and then thumbs sideways. And then sometimes I'll go quarter up or down sure. if, I'm, if I'm really not sure. But I think for the dinner, we were both like thumbs sideways. Like I cannot figure out yeah. if that looks really stupid or really cool. Yeah, uh, we we keep ours mostly to facial expressions. Jen's often being <laughs> priceless. Uh, I wish this were a video podcast because, you know, if it's a movie that it does not look good, I'll look at her and she'll be like, <laughs> like she just ate something that was gross. Um, <laughs> That's a, a friend of ours, a friend of mine, but someone you also knew, um, used to say that Renee Zellweger always looked like she was going, mm, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Um, okay, so are you? It's you know I don't want to. It's your favorite movie of 2016. I don't want to shortchange yeah, you on time. I don't time. know what else to say. I'll, ta- I'll talk about it more the next eight times I see this movie. Okay. So uh, I guess I also with these next two movies, I was catching up on 2016 movies that interested me at the time, but not enough to see them. Okay. But if they're on HBO Go, then I'll watch them while I'm working, and that is what I've done. So these are the these are the trumbos of 2016. <laughs> If I've ever, if I was ever going to see Trumbo, then yes. (laughs) (laughs) I still haven't seen it either. Why would I? Nor have I seen Beasts of No Nation. That was the one one from that year that was like, I'll I'll get to it. And then I never did. Yeah. Beasts of No Nation is even on Netflix. Right. Of course. It's super easy to get to. Uh, Trumbo just did not hold any interest for me at all, even though it should hold a lot of interest because I've always been interested in like the Hollywood blacklist and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But anyway. Okay. So I saw. First off, I did not know that Dexter Fletcher directed this movie. Uh, Eddie the Eagle. Wait, who's Dexter Fletcher? He is the, I'm sorry, kind of a buggy-eyed British guy. He was in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and a number of other films that you have undoubtedly seen. Um, If you you look him up, you'll you'll recognize him. Um, At least I think so. Oh, sure, yeah. But um, but yeah, so Eddie the Eagle, true story about this uh, British... um, this this British working class kid who just wants to be an athlete, but through any number of things, including his own uh, his own. Uh, I think when he's when he's younger, there's something wrong with his legs or his knees, and so eventually he gets over that. But he just he keeps wanting to do something amazing, and he wants to go into the Olympics. And his parents keep saying that look, this is not going to happen. Uh, but he he develops his body, he develops his skills, and eventually decides. Um, he wants to be on the skiing team on the Olympic skiing team. But, uh, and though he, though, uh, he is skilled at that. In fact, maybe even faster than everybody else, the British Olympic committee are like, we don't want this weird guy with his big glasses and his odd underbite. We don't want him representing us. And so, uh, so they keep him off the team, but then he decides he's going to go and do, uh, he's going to do the high jump because they don't have a high jumper. And so they can't really deny him. <laughs> and so, uh, it's all about him learning how to high jump and his instructors played by Hugh Jackman, uh, as an American, oddly enough, um, who is, a? if you'll pardon me, he's the, uh, John Candy and cool runnings role. Uh, the disgrace, <laughs> the disgraced former, okay. uh, athlete who is now uh, a drunk, so 
you know, uh, it's, it's based on a true story. I looked up a lot of stuff about it and, uh, you know, certain characters are composited and all that, but, uh, but the story itself is interesting and yes, a little bit inspiring and the film completely leans into that. Um, and at times I found myself rolling my eyes at other times I found myself, uh, being genuinely like, yeah, go get him, Eddie. Um, and Eddie is played by what's his name? Taron Edgerton from yeah. Kingsman. Yeah. And, and also from legend, right? Wasn't he in legend? Not the, not the really Scott are movie. you thinking of Tim Curry? <laughs> no, I'm talking about the, uh, the Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy in legend. Uh, oh, movie. I think he was, but now I don't actually remember, but I remember thinking he's very good in Kingsman. Um, he was, he's good. Yeah. I feel like I saw him in something else too. He's, he's definitely a good actor. And, and this type of character is very different for him. And honestly, you know, he has to be really physically awkward. He has to carry himself in an awkward way. And honestly, this could, this character could have just been a lot of mannerisms, but he isn't. It's a full fledged character, uh, that he, that he seems to understand from the inside out, which is to me the, the key to playing a real life person. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really cliche in a lot of ways, but it's, it's, it's sincere and it seems to understand why this is inspiring and tries to, to, uh, capture that. And there's actually a little bit of a dilemma a a philosophical dilemma, um, uh, towards the end of the film where the character has done quite well and actually qualifies to go to the Olympics. And Hugh Jackman has not been super excited to train him. And when he sees what, this character can do to qualify. He says, this is exciting. He's like, all right, hear me out Four four years from now, you and I will work and work and work and we will make you the absolute best. You know, you won't just qualify. You will do great. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, but Eddie is eager to, he just wants to be in the Olympics. He doesn't even really care that much about winning. He just wants to be in the Olympics. And so, Hugh Jackman is just making this argument of like, okay, so do you want to be fine now or great later? And to me, like that is, there's a good argument there. Yeah. And I like that it does not, it, the film ultimately kind of takes Eddie's side, but it's only cause it's his movie. Uh, it, it right. sort of leaves, it, it kind of suggests that maybe both men are right. Um, and so I, it, it's all about priorities. And so I, I, I'd say it's a movie I recommend. You got to go in knowing that it's not going to, be amazing but it's definitely going to hold your interest okay um final movie for me oh all right um but i'm um i'm very excited so i saw this movie and i was when i left it left the theater i was like that movie had some problems but it was a lot of fun but then the more i think about it i'm like that's a really really cool movie um and i saw it's the new ben wheatley movie free fire oh okay um i feel like he's cranking them out yeah, he always yeah, he always seems to be. Um so this this movie is uh now you you talked about Lock Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the could everyone stop getting shot scene from yes, Lock Stock and Two Smoking I Barrels? I do enjoy that. Okay, Free Fire is that scene for 90 minutes. Wow. And it's it works. That's what like it almost feels like um uh, like uh like Ben Wheatley like is writing to some sort of challenge, like someone like a dare, like someone said, can you make a movie that's a single location shootout? That's mm-hmm. a feature length movie. And that's really all it is, is like, it's, um, and it's a 1970s Boston set crime movie. 
um, in which uh, Killian Murphy is the sort of head of uh, one group who I guess the uh, implication perhaps is that it's an IRA type thing sure. um, and he's buying a bunch of illegal machine guns in a warehouse uh, outside of Boston um, him and his crew and then uh, Army Hammer and uh, Charlotte Copley um, play the arms dealers and then Brie Larson plays sort of the go-between and so it's an arms deal that goes wrong um, by about 20 minutes in. And then the rest of the movie is just them facing off and shoot. Like everyone in the movie gets shot like a half dozen times <laughs> uh, and they don't all die. Like it's just a, a very drawn out, um, pretty funny and occasionally very thrilling shootout movie. I think um, there's, and there's a lot of great um little little bits um in addition I, I named um the main i guess four actors there with killian murphy brie, brie larson army hammer and charlotte copley but you also have uh, noah taylor um and you've got some other actors that i recognize uh and then and i'm already forgetting his name again i even looked it up but uh the older brother from sing street did you see sing street I did not. okay um he's fantastic uh and it's um it's got a lot of very funny lines um charlotte copley is impossible of or incapable of being bad in any movie <laughs> i love i'm always like charlotte copley is always the best part of it. even that even like the hollers which is close mm. to being my least favorite movie of last year did you see elysium uh no i didn't see elysium he's not very good but i think it's also i think it's because the, the director does not know what to ask of him okay so i'll, I'll put it down to that um but it just astounds me that this guy like ended up in district nine is essentially like a, like reluctantly, like he was like a non-actor yeah. and he seems so comfortable and he's, he's such a goofball in, in free fire. Uh, and, um, I felt like there was one more thing I was, I was going to add about it. It does have some problems with, um, coherence. You've got like, uh, you know, at one point as many as a dozen characters in this, in this empty, uh, you know, abandoned warehouse. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you do kind of forget like where people are in relationship to one another. Um, uh, and, and that makes, I think the, makes the, the experience a little cheaper because you, uh, it's taking you out of the movie because you're trying to trying right. to remember where, where people are. Like, it's like, wait, why isn't that guy shooting that guy now? Oh, the other thing I was going to say is, um, army hammer, continues to impress me because i feel like this is a guy who could be romantic leads for the rest of his life because of the way that he looks and the confidence that he carries himself with super bland (laughs) yeah and he keeps choosing to be in interesting movies um did you see the man from uncle uh, i didn't see the man from uncle i saw his very small role in nocturnal animals and then uh Mm. uh, i know you because you weren't at sundance haven't seen call me by your name but he's amazing in that and yeah here he is um just uh (laughs) very very funny as just a guy who is giving you the every inch of the swagger of his like of his frame you know he's a big good looking tall guy well he's one of the well-dressed ones in this movie and he is just so full of confidence um uh, and says some very funny and clever but horrible things in the movie it's it's a very it's a very fun movie and it does uh seem like uh uh like a like a challenge that ben wheely rose to uh 
Army Hammer is also very good in J. Edgar, a movie oh, I, don't, right. I don't really like, but I think he's very good in. It's an okay movie, I think. I think if, I, if, I to, it, if I were to watch again, I think I probably would get to the point of thinking it's okay. Um, okay, so here's another movie from last year that I watched that uh, isn't great, but okay. has its moments, is uh, The Boss. Oh, I liked The Boss. Directed by Ben Falcone. Falcone? Falcone? I don't know. Uh, as you know, I'm a big fan of Melissa McCarthy, and I think she is, for me, like a top three comedic actor uh, that's fair. Yeah. I, I think working right now anyway, just, she's just so, you mentioned being comfortable on the screen. She just, she knows the character she's playing and it's so interesting. Cause she, I think her natural, I think her resting state as a person is sweet. She seems mm-hmm. to be just a very nice, decent, sweet person, but she can, turn that and make it shockingly aggressive uh-huh. <laughs> and her character in the boss i th- worked really well for me and while i had a hard time reconciling the the pathos of the character with the larger silliness of the movie um if she, i'll put it this way if melissa mccarthy's trying to make me laugh i'm gonna laugh mm-hmm. like that is not something that everybody can say uh just whatever it is and there there's a so you saw it yeah anything she's saying to Helen, anything she's saying to like the other, uh, girl scout people, uh, and moms is to me hilarious. Uh, but then there's a scene with, uh, uh, Kristen Bell where they are, uh, comparing breasts and the, and discussing the use of bras. Mm-hmm. And that scene goes on a while. I would argue it goes on too long. Here's the thing, though. I was laughing a lot. And and it just the two of them have a nice a nice comedic rhythm together. But there's just something about. Like, so basically, Melissa McCarthy is talking about like Kristen Bell's breasts and how she needs to wear a different bra. And so she's like touching her breasts mm-hmm. and, and like bouncing them and stuff, which is very odd, very odd thing to see. Um, but then, uh, then Kristen Bell like starts messing with Melissa McCarthy's breasts and she just like stands there. She's like, Yeah, pretty firm, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And she's like, That's silicon, not the kind you're supposed to put in your body either. And just like, They're not moving, they're not going anywhere. And she just like says it with that, just that kind of matter of fact confidence yeah. that just works for me every time. Now, the movie is uh, movie is is ridiculous, and I feel like not all of their comedy bits work. Uh, but for the most part, it throws a lot of stuff at the wall. I think a lot of it stuck for me. I be I believe I gave it two and a half stars on Letterboxd. I think I just talked myself into yeah. three stars, if not three and a half. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I thought it was also very good. I wrote the review or a very positive review of it, but it does have the thing that I hate, where it has the contrived third act misunderstanding between the two leads just to get them to force them apart for yeah it's so so stupid but it has um i like the um uh i like the team of of sales girls that she (laughs) yeah uh, assembles yeah um and i also there's 
Uh, it's it's a, a bit unfortunate when a movie's when I maybe left hardest at a movie five minutes in, but the, the her the entire entire scene she does with that like thing in her mouth she has this like she's yeah. getting her teeth whitened so she has this like plastic thing in to separate her yeah her, so her, her mouth lips. is just white she looks like she looks like the Babadook honestly um, yeah I la- I laughed it's, hardest yeah. at that especially because her uh, her tongue keeps sticking out yeah. for no particular reason it's just in the way yeah and uh, oh my god. Yarbrough is really good in the movie yeah. too is her uh, uh, lick spittle yeah and, and I d- uh, wait what <laughs> that's uh, uh, what's what I'm looking for I mean that is what I'm looking for but there's another there's a more uh, <laughs> a sycophant sure is a lick yeah, spittle yes absolutely he's very good at that um, brown noser there you go Ugh. yeah I like lick spittle better <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't you it sounds better um, but uh, you know there's a character from Deadwood I think uh, <laughs> I also thought Peter Dinklage was really good. Like the whole cast is, and Tyler yeah. Labine, I thought was really fun. Um, oh yeah. Um, but, but we have to, we, we have to talk about Peter Dinklage as a comedic actor. Okay. Because I feel like some people don't like him when he does comedy, like when he hosted Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live, which I didn't see. I saw some of the stuff and I think the thing that I like about Peter Dinklage when he does comedy is that he's, people give him ridiculous roles to play. Yeah. And he does not play them as comedy. And that's, what's so funny. Yeah. Like the, there was a Saturday night live sketch that I don't think anyone thought was as funny as I did. Okay. Where it was like a corporate retreat where they had a, a, a standup, right. Um, uh, uh, performing for the, the, and, and Peter Dinklage was the boss, like the head of this corporation sure. or, or whatever. And the standup just like, you know, picks you know makes some sort of joke about him like uh shitting in his pants or something yeah i think that's what it was gross and <laughs> peter Dinklage's character is spends the rest of the sketch like interrupting him to insist that he gets that it was a joke and that he's not offended <laughs> but he clearly is super upset <laughs> that this guy embarrassed him in front of his, his employees and um i could i could watch that over and over again because it's he peter Dinklage is not giving you yeah. any winks or any comedy. He's just playing. He's like, all right, this character is a psychotic yeah. uh, and just like in the bo- in the boss. And that's how I'm going to play him. Yeah. And just, the, just there's a scene where, um, Oh, what's the name of the, of the, the guy from veep, Tim, something, Timothy, something, uh, oh, who, yeah, yeah, who plays his, the, his the, assistant, the tall guy. Yeah. Uh, and so he just does, he's, you know, also kind of a sycophant. And so like, he's, he does everything for, for Peter Dinklage. And at some point, like, uh, he gives Peter Dinklage like one drink of milk and then he's, he goes more milk. He goes, you know what? I'm feeling crazy. I'll do it myself. And he grabs the, he grabs the, <laughs> the cup out of his hand, just like drinks it down. It's like, Oh yes. And like his total commitment to that, <laughs> he, like he does not hold back at all. Like he's playing this character. He's not, he finds no humor out of the idea that he's going to walk on the wild side and drink milk by himself. Yeah. It is, uh, yeah, it's I think I think I don't it's really when the emotions kick in and even then some of the emotions work, I think. But uh yeah. But yeah, the the false the false crisis is I something I've I've never liked. All right, but, uh you have some TV to talk about? I do. Obviously Survivor and you can find out more about that at Worth Playing For. Uh I went back and uh okay. There's a bit of a journey here. Okay. What with this Kickstarter that I've been doing? Uh and is that that's still going? It is still April going. 15th. Yes. So uh, listeners go to more than one lesson dot com. Click on the uh, Kickstarter button on the side and uh, find out more about it. But uh, I found myself 
feeling like I, I, I thought like, man, I'm probably just inundating people on Facebook and Twitter. They're probably getting so tired of me. And it's like, I'll bet they think of me as though I were the standup of Jay Sherman saying, buy my book, buy my book, <laughs> buy my book. Sure enough, I found. And so listeners be on the lookout for this because when I actually buy copies of it, when I, when I order copies of this and I have them in my possession, and I am in the, in the, in the position to sell them, then I will post this on Facebook and Twitter. Somebody took that, that little three seconds mm-hmm. and turn and made 10 hours of it, uh, <laughs> on YouTube. And it is uh, delightful. So I'm going to post that, but it got me in the mood to watch the critics. So I watched like three episodes of the critic. Um, always a good idea. Yeah. Um, I, I, did you, did you see the one where, uh, um, Jay's head is as big as his dad's toe. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes, when he's, he's watching TV on in the this recliner. TV, uh, I love his dad. I love so many of those characters. I, his I'll, dad is the, my favorite character, though. Penguins can't fly. <laughs> and then he goes, uh, he's just saying his own stuff during uh, dinner. He goes, he's like, the peanut is neither a pea nor a nut. And then the conversation continues. A solid two minutes later, end of the scene, he goes, no, wait, it is a nut. Um, and so, uh, but I think for me, uh, so I took this TV history class, uh, and, uh, got an A by the way, don't mind telling you. Um, way to go. And, uh, I had to do a reading and a presentation, uh, about Ted Turner and I have such tremendous respect for what Ted Turner was able to do. People make fun of him now as like this giant mogul and, but like and for colorization, which is, yeah. Well, they can't all be winners, but yeah. most, but a lot of his ideas were fascinating to me. Like the, the 24 hour news cycle for good or ill, that's him. Like mm-hmm. he came up with that, um, which is insane anyway. Uh, but Duke Phillips, that was like the only association I have with Ted right, Turner is yeah. that he's an obvious Ted that's Turner. That's kind clone. of who I still think of, <laughs> yeah. I think. Uh, Duke Phillips is my favorite character. There is no question. I love Jay's dad, but Duke and just his, his, uh, big manly physique and that he there's a uh, a scene where jay walks into his apartment and duke is sitting on the couch he's like how did you get in here he says i had my ways and then you you <laughs> it pans over and there's just a duke shaped hole in the wall uh oh man i love that i, I do love that show and john lovitz is especially when he laughs at his own jokes <laughs> because it's always a big boisterous laughter. And so at one point, like he, he gets his Pulitzer prize and he comes back and he's feeling rejuvenated and he says some joke that is super cheesy and punny. And the minute he goes, ah! <laughs> it's good to be back. And just like he cracks himself up so much. It is a wonderful character. Beautifully realized uh, who, who voiced the, the um, young Southern woman that he had a, a relationship with in the one episode. Oh, uh, oh wait, it, which one? Well, one is the the one the one who says, "My daddy didn't give me much, but one thing he did give me is his pride." His, his pride? <laughs> no, his pride. His broad? Uh, it was, it was uh, Park Overall. Park Overall. Okay. From uh, Empty Nest, I think. Um, okay. Um, real quick, I was going to say about you, like feeling like you're. Um, inundating people. Yeah. I saw that you put like an apology on Facebook and I almost replied to you, but you I never use Facebook. I, a, I don't really use Facebook. I didn't want to like break the mystique and B, this is just would be an inside joke, but I'm going to go ahead and do an inside okay. joke right now. I almost said you are a haunted house. 
<laughs> nice. Uh, and I will actually uh, tell you more about that apology off mic. Okay. Well, uh, I, um, I hope someone, out, if anyone out there gets the You Are a Haunted House reference, I'm sure someone must. That is an, uh, that's a deep cut <laughs> that now. That goes, goes way back, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that works very well. Um, <laughs> I also watched an episode of The Simpsons. I felt like watching uh, The Simpsons after The Critics. So I, and there, I had a very specific one in mind, and it's the one where Homer becomes a trucker. Um, and I do love that episode where he just it starts off with him winning an eating contest right losing an eating contest but the guy who wins dies Dies, that's right and so homer decides he wants to be a a trucker and and just poor marge is saying like no homer i don't want to do that and he's like well i've got to do it and she goes okay goodbye homer he goes wait a second that's that's not that's not the kind of goodbye I'm, i'm used to she goes all right. And you see her just like muster up. She goes, goodbye, Homer. Have a good trip. He goes, that's better. And he just like drives away. She's like the worst husband in the world. Um, and it's got some nice, uh, and it's the one where Marge and Lisa get a new doorbell. Oh, right. Uh, I have a test tomorrow and birds suddenly appear. I mean, history. Yeah. And then, and it's got some nice, uh, it's got some nice, uh, gill stuff where I think, I think uh, somebody said, I don't know. He, he's, he's like, oh, it's got, got the ding dong dang and all that. And then I think either Marge or Lisa says like, oh my gosh, it'd be so great. You know, this must be so great. I, I wish I could work here or something like that. And he's, he's like, oh, great. Just what I need another piranha in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, I forgot, uh, you know, the Simpsons, it's been widely understood that it hasn't for years, for easily 17 years now, uh, if not more, it has not been what it used to be. Right. So going back, so it kind of made me forget what it used to be. But then you go back, it's like, damn, this was a funny damn show. Yeah. So, uh, so I think that is, I think that's it for me, aside from the occasional Mystery Science Theater 3000, in which case I never remember anything about it and it's all rewatched anyway. Enjoy.